Blog Talk Radio. in the Rocket City of Huntsville, Alabama, BAMS Radio. I'm your host, Drew DeArmond, of course, with Thomas the Rock Watts, the wizard behind the curtain, uh, joining, you, uh, joining you tonight. We will be joined also by William Redfish Barger at about 7.15, about 14 minutes from now, to get his thoughts on the scrimmage uh, from this past Saturday and what to expect and what he's going to be looking for going in uh, to this Saturday. Uh, and uh, Thomas is with me, and I know Thomas. I don't know if it's rainy in Mobile, brother, but we've had a lot of rain today since lunchtime in the Rocket City. It's cooled everything off. How are things in the Port City of Mobile? It's been not rainy for once. It's been booming and banging, so someone's getting some rain nearby. But <laughs> it has not been over my residence, which is very good because class has started this week. And I started teaching this week, so I'm already playing catch up. So the the, the distraction of a, the lack of distraction was was much appreciated from Mother Nature. But you know, I'm talking about distractions. I have been burning up the internet trying to get every little shred of things I can get from the scrimmage. And Drew, I, I just have to ask. I know you've been talking to more folks than I have. What, what what have you heard? You know, is there any nugget I can pull out of you before fish comes on? Well, you know, I, as everyone had, who was following it last Saturday could tell, a lot of buzz about one Jalen Hurts yet again, uh, the uh, true freshman from Channel View, Texas. I know you texted me uh, via, on Saturday night and said, well, did Barnett uh, sew the job up? And I sent you a, a picture of Jalen Hurts. And he, from pretty much the start, uh, made plays in the scrimmage, and uh, if there was an MVP, he would have been uh, the the one, and we'll talk to William more about that. He was actually in attendance uh, watching everything go down, but uh, this kid's special, and uh, he really he, he, tor- he, he torched Alabama's ones last Thursday before the scrimmage, and uh, I, you know, through a friend of a friend, uh, I know John Allen, who is going to be, in my opinion, an All-American and a great football player at Alabama basically said to someone on the sidelines, if Jalen Hurts doesn't play, it's only because Coach Saban won't play a freshman. Uh, but, uh, you know, that being a true freshman. But Jalen Hurts has started to win the team. Uh, you know, Blake Barnett had, had uh, done a great job throughout the summer, and we had heard the team was gravitating toward him. But uh, Jalen Hurts, just you saw the spring he had, very solid for a 17-year-old, and then, He's worked really hard in the weight room and trying to learn the playbook. He's still a very young player, but he went out with the twos and the threes, Thomas, and uh, mostly with the twos, and, and uh, just immediately a 60-yard touchdown pass to Robert Foster, uh, you know, a, a long touchdown pass to O.J. Howard. We'll, we'll talk to William more about it, the zone read TD. He just made plays, and uh, he was consistent throughout and, and, and wrapped it up. Uh, you know, they at the end of the scrimmages, they always usually go two-minute, uh, and he drove the team from – uh, you know, they were at their own 30-yard line. He drove them straight down the field inside the five 
before his only mistake of the day, which was a little bit of a miscommunication on a fade pattern from what I understand and was intercepted. So uh, besides that, I mean, he was very, very solid. And Blake Barnett played very well, or at least much better than he had in the spring. He, he protected the ball until that last possession in two minute with the twos. Uh, he threw a pick in the, in the red zone, in the end zone, thrown into like triple coverage. But besides that, he played pretty solidly. It's just he didn't make the explosive plays that Jalen Hurts did. And then Cooper Bayman uh, had the most turnovers. He, you know, he just really struggled. Uh, Shy Carter, the true freshman with a pick six. And then Hootie Jones, who was playing in the dime, also picked him off. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It's going to be so interesting uh, to find out, you know, how it all plays out. Already hearing this week that Barnett has come back strong and that Jalen Hurts has had a couple of good days as well. Uh, you're not hearing much buzz about Cooper Bateman, which begs the question, can the incumbent, you know, redshirt junior hold these other two guys off? It seems like it's going to be very hard for that to happen. Yeah, and that was that was going to be my next question because, you know, I try and keep up on Twitter and, and I'll zip through a message board if I need to, you know, a quick spin down cycle from whatever I'm working on. And, you know, it, it, it's hard for me to, to find people saying good things about Cooper Bateman. And I, I know it's fan talk and da 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 da. It, it's almost like when you're you're trying to find something good about everybody so that you can feel you know everybody has a shot. And you know from my very very outside the situation point of view, it's like Cooper Bateman has dropped off the face of the planet in terms of actual competition. And you know I said to you off the air at the end of uh, last week's show, if you know, Cooper Bateman's got a whole. It's instead of he's going to start unless you know catac- something cataclysmic happens. This game, this game, this job feels more and more wide open. And I, you know, given what you've said and given what both of us have read and all the other, I think it's it, it's almost a two horse race between Blake Barnett and Jalen Hurts. And even as I say it, it's like my God, that is so not Nick Saban and. and on my other show, uh, Alabama Scheme Team, Drew, uh, Murph directly asked me, where do I have quarterbacks? And I have Barnett slightly ahead of Hertz just because I have such a hard time believing that a true freshman is going to do it. I realize you know, I've been through the arguments where true freshmen are better than they ever were. Jalen Hurts is a coach's son, da-da-da-da-da. He has a lot of stuff going for him, but college football to this day is a different animal. And am I saying it precludes Jalen Hurts from coming in and performing well? Well, hell no. Drew, you and I could probably win a few games behind, with that with that much talent playing with that group of young men. But it's just, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. And because I'm a fan, I don't have to wrap my head around it. That, that's going to be on Nick Saban and <laughs> Lane Kiffin and company. So. It's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Am I am I off the beaten path with that? Am I reading the tea leaves correctly in your mind? Well, I mean, most people are. There's a lot of sentiment like that. Most still have a hard time believing how good you know Hertz could be, uh, and because of past precedent, Coach Saban has never played a, a freshman quarterback at Alabama. Never started one. Never so much. He's redshirted all of them. So. Uh, that's why uh, it would be uh, so uh, amazing for him to break the mold. And, you know, Blake Barnett had a year in the system. Uh, He was here before Hurts, and yet Hurts has just uh, shown an amazing maturity and playmaking ability. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk more with William about that. And, and you know, and it's just 
but if you go out and make plays, that's just the way you win the team. And Absolutely. So far, I, I just think that's what we've seen, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts do. And he even had a knack for it in the spring. You could see it. And he just brings a, a different skill set. You know, he Absolutely. just brings a, an athleticism and a way to make plays on the edge and, you know, Mark Burnett, I talked to him. I was sitting in for Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa yesterday hosting uh, the game. Uh, and uh, Ryan uh, allowed me to do that as he's been on assignment. And, and you know, it's just Mark brought up the same point. You know, you watch Deshaun Watson and what he did to Alabama, and you also remember the Johnny Manziel and, and people of that ilk, even Nick Marshall in, in to a degree. What if Alabama had a quarterback like that to make plays against other opponents? Uh, how how with all the you talk you already mentioned the rest of the young talent that Alabama has you know at their disposal. What would a playmaker with that kind of dynamic ability? What would that mean for the Crimson Tide? You know that I was gonna, I was hoping you went there. You were going to go here because if you weren't, I was going to take us there. Um, one of the fun things about really taking over BAMS radio is I can use the BAMS radio Twitter account for an occasional hot take here or there if something's happened. So that's generally me. I admit it. I'll cop to that. But on Twitter, I said something through that account where if Jalen Hurts does win the job this year, and I'm not sure you can expect a continued meteoric rise from this year to next, but you can certainly expect some, some forward momentum, such as it were. And assuming Alabama keeps Najee Harris, who everybody that you read online, you know, Fish has said it before, et cetera, et cetera, thinks Najee Harris is going to win a Heisman wherever he goes. He's that good. I firmly believe, assuming no injuries, you know, asterisk this, that if those two things happen, Alabama is going to challenge Florida State for the most points scored in the season. Florida State reset that record in 2013 behind Jameis Winston and that stupidly talented team at like 723. Like Florida would would Florida State drop 70 and 80 burgers on people at will. And I think Alabama is going to be able to do that. I, I'm I'm sorry. I just I don't see how you can scheme for an offense that would feature a dynamic dual threat quarterback, a, a wide receiver, a third-year wide receiver in Calvin Ridley, Lord knows what else will be there still, and an elite running back in Najee Harris who might not even get on the field that much because he will just be a true freshman. But I think the sky's the limit if this happens, and the sky's going to be the limit throughout Jalen Hurts' uh, eligibility. He'll probably take some lumps this year, but – you know, I hate to use the canned thing, but Nick Saban knows what he's doing. So it's the, the lumps he's going to take are not going to be a you know nine and three season or an eight and four season. The lumps he's going to take are, you know, maybe the defense has to bail Alabama out. But we'll see. It's a it's it's an exciting thing to water cooler about. It, it, for multiple seasons, quite frankly, Drew. <laughs> well, and, you know, I haven't uh, talked to Murph Baldwin in a while, and I know you do regularly on Scheme Team. What is his take on Alabama's quarterback uh, situation? I, from what the last time I spoke with him, he was very high on Hurts. Well, he, he really likes Hurts. Um, we, we didn't get that deep into it on Scheme Team yet. We got sucked into the, the transfer thing with Kendall Sheffield, which is – Something I'll be interested to get William's take on, but um, 
he's a fan, he's a fan of Hertz. I, I think for many of the same reasons I just broke down. I mean, having a quarterback that can stress a defense in a different way causes a whole plethora of problems. I mean, the only two defensive coordinators just just you know snapshot the SEC. The only two defensive coordinators that have had consistent, I guess you could say sustained success against spread with a dynamic quarterback are John Chavis, formerly at LSU, who absolutely shut down Johnny Manziel, now at Texas A&M, and Jeremy Pruitt, formerly of Georgia, who completely mauled Auburn every time he played him, with the notable exception of the first half of the 2013 BCS championship game. Otherwise, it's been a crapshoot at best, and that that's the sort of thing like you you have to in order to really shut these guys down, you have to have elite personnel, and even when you do see Deshaun Watson, it might not work because you know I'm I don't really buy into the theory if there had been another quarter, Deshaun Watson beats Alabama. Well, sure, but you know Deshaun Watson willed Clemson to staying into that game because. Alabama did everything they could do, and it still almost wasn't enough. And that was a real talented team that Deshaun Watson almost beat. And it was. I mean, and Deshaun Watson played at a very high level. He's a great football player. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but I don't know what drugs Terry Henley was on uh, today. I guess it was today on jocks, and he's a former Auburn running back. He was on the 1972 team that – won the pant the punt Bama punt game, one of the biggest flukes in the history of college football. But uh they did beat Alabama seventeen to sixteen, had no business doing it, but they did. Henley was a running back on that team who got I uh, probably average one yard a carry in that game. And but uh he's kind of been uh they were that team was uh, is revered in Auburn history, so Henley is as well. And Henley was on the opening drive today and whatever he'd been drinking, he did say that uh in his mind, that uh, he had a better – he himself had a better chance of outrunning Usain Bolt than Clemson beating Auburn. Okay, I did see that on Twitter. I yep. mean, <laughs> like, this is my reaction because now the connection's been made. Come on, guys. And then he went on to say, no way Clemson comes into Jordan-Hare Stadium and beats the Auburn Tigers at night though they've lost six straight SEC games. Well, so, I will say. You know, it is going to be a good football game. I have said that, but come on, Henley. You know, what? you you picked up too many blitzes, son. You took too many Auburn, hits to Auburn, the head. Auburn's got some talent on defense, but the offense continues to be a mess. And um, you remember that points record that I mentioned Alabama yeah. might chase? Yeah, there's a good chance Clemson might reset that because their offense is insane. I will make a bold prediction. If Clemson blows that game, Dabo Sweeney will not be the head football coach at the University of Alabama. So many people have got him penciled in to to, uh, succeed Nick Saban. If he blows that game, you can forget it. I I completely agree. I I think in terms of – his next job, assuming Dabo, Clem- Dabo Sweeney wants to leave Clemson, that will that will certainly sour that milk for at least a handful of years. But absolutely, we'll see. And I, <laughs> and I know we're about to hear from William Redfish Barger. Uh, he's going to be on our uh, Sun Belt Tents hotline with his take. We might even ask him about that. His former teammate Dabo Sweeney. Uh, but yeah, he if Dabo Sweeney cannot. Um, 
uh, beat the Auburn Tigers uh, in Jordan-Hare Stadium. I mean, he already has. I mean, he's already had success against Auburn. Where he has that Clemson program and then – uh, and and with Deshaun Watson, who should be the front runner for the Heisman, coming off uh, just a transcendent performance against Alabama, Auburn uh, coming off a seven and six season, Gus Malzahn squarely on the hot seat. They are going to give Clemson, you know, their best shot. But uh, this is a Clemson team that's recruited at a higher level than Auburn, has better personnel. I'm giving that home crowd and the environment and being the first game. I'm giving Auburn an opportunity to compete in the game. But there's no way that Clemson uh, should not uh, win that game uh, by 7 to 10 points. I mean, I've got it being a close football game, but Clemson pulling it out. When you have the best player on the field in Deshaun Watson, when you, and you also have Wayne Gallman. People forget about Wayne Gallman. He had just a tremendous year uh, running the football. Uh, so, I just overall, I just I have uh, the uh, the uh, Clemson Tigers being too much for the Auburn Tigers. Many people people have Clemson uh, re uh, re uh, you know uh, uh, winning the ACC yet again and making the college football playoff. And the only way they're going to do that is to beat Auburn. If they can't beat Auburn, I will make that prediction. There, the talk of Davo Sweeney being the head football coach at Alabama will end if he loses to the Auburn Tigers. Uh, in that first game on the road uh, to start this season on September the 3rd in prime time. But we're going to go now to the Sunbelt 10's hotline to our third amigo, and that's William Redfish Barger. William, how are you doing tonight? We're just discussing that opener uh, with uh, Clemson and Auburn, and I don't know if you saw the comments from uh, former Auburn running back Terry Henley today, but uh, they were quite uh, alarming. Well, I did not, so educate me. Well, on Twitter – the, uh, on WJOX is the opening drive. They quoted Terry Henley today as saying, I have a better shot at outrunning Usain Bolt than Clemson does beating Auburn in that first game. Well, you know, what's so funny about that? Now, you know, Terry may be not real well informed. Um, the, the insiders over there on the Auburn side of the fence have basically all laid down and quit. I mean, they are um, – you know, in, in death time four mode, um, you know, worried about this season. You know, they've had the departure of Javon Robinson, their best running back. Uh, you know, they thought they had, you know, their offensive line figured out. You know, the Dampier kid was supposed to be that guy. They've had to, you know, kind of punt him. And Austin Golson has, has left left tackle and gone back to center. And, you know, the guy that, uh, Robert Leff, who was a you know a, a two-star diamond in the rough guy, um, you know won the right tackle job over Mike Horton, who's now going to be the starting left tackle. Um, they're in a mess over there. Um, you know, I'm just saying. You know, I don't have any inside connections anymore in Auburn because uh, you know Lance Thompson is now up at South Carolina, but they're in a mess at Auburn. It really sounds like it. I mean, and I know that they're trying to spin it now that Bubba Petway, Cameron Petway, will, uh, he and Carrion Johnson will be the duo at running back. Some saying Carrion will start, and he was, you know, he's never been an every down back, always had durability concerns. Cameron Petway was an H back, has not carried the mail since high school, and is really considered uh, along the lines. I don't even know if you could say he's as good as Peyton Barber was last year, but uh, they're they're in full spin mode and. 
And then, uh, from what I understand, William, the quarterbacks have not performed all that well either in the scrimmages. So, how Terry Henley can say that, and then he went on to say that there's no way Clemson can beat Auburn at night uh, when the team has lost, you know, six straight SEC games and finished the season like Auburn did. Uh, you know, I, Henley is Auburn to the core, but uh, I think he's been on the sauce or something. Well, I'll say this, man. I mean, Terry Henley has a hugely successful insurance business up here in Birmingham. Uh, right. You know, you, you can't take anything away from him with what he's done in the private business sector. Um, but, yeah. you know, for him to say that stuff, um, you know, it kind of makes me, you know, worry about him a little bit. You know, again, you know, no no problem, no foul. I, I appreciate you going all in um, on your college team. But, uh, you know, there's no evidence that that's going to be the, the case. And, you know, let's let's focus on what's positive about Alabama versus what's negative about Auburn, you know, right now. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And then, William, and speaking of positives, uh, you were in attendance at the scrimmage. Uh, this past Saturday, you know, Thomas and I were talking about it at the stop of the at the top of the show about Jalen Hurts and all the buzz surrounding him. Also, hearing that Hurts had a couple of strong practices Monday and Tuesday before uh, a three interception day yesterday. Though uh, Blake Barnett and then uh, had has followed up with a strong week as well and threw a 40-yard TD pass yesterday and really uh, was the best performer in that Wednesday practice. It looks like. Uh, that Barnett and Hurts are still battling. Hurts, you know, those interceptions, it's to be expected. He's still a very young player, but he's what he's accomplished has really been remarkable in a short period of time. Uh, but as Thomas uh, equated, there's really not been a lot of buzz about Cooper Bateman. Uh, going into this scrimmage, it's still a three-horse race, uh, but do you think Bateman is still ahead in the coaches' minds? You know, Drew, the thing that I look at is, you know, you have to understand that the the scrimmages are so weighted in the decision-making process. And what I mean by that is, you know, what you see in those two scrimmages, you know, every August is 80% of the battle. So if you know that going into it, um, you don't really get rattled by what goes on, you know, at the complex. And that's what you're talking about. Um, you know, do I worry about Jalen Hurts, you know, with a one bad practice? Uh, no, I don't. Now, you know, because I know you're going to the scrimmage on Saturday. I'm not. But, you know, if you call me at 6 p.m. Saturday night and you say, uh, you know, Hurts has had a total meltdown, um, you know, he threw three interceptions, uh, you know, Blake Barnett and Cooper Bateman, you know, did this and did that then all of a sudden I'm going to have to reevaluate, you know, my evaluations. But that that's how it works. I mean, it, it's, you know, the, those those practices that people call you and talk to you about, they're important, but it's back down into the 20% percentile of how all the stuff goes into the decision-making process. And it's, Those two scrimmages, the one that I saw last Saturday and the one you're going to see two days from now. Absolutely, William. And then speaking on that, and we'll just kind of go in order, we do know how Hurts performed. But uh, because he came into that scrimmage as the top QB and the incumbent, uh, 
overall, what what are your thoughts on Cooper Bateman and where he stands? You know, I look at it like this. You know, if if Nick Saban makes a decision about, you know, you know, playing the older guy, and you know, the, the things that go into playing the older guy is um, less mistakes, um, protecting the football. Um, that kind of stuff, which which is what goes into playing the older guy, no matter what school it is. Um, Saturday, at least last Saturday when I was there, it was, uh, okay, um, that that's who it is. That's what we're going to look at. Um, both Jalen Hurts and Blake Barnett, you know, outplayed Cooper Bateman. You know, they made explosive plays. They, they both played – um, you know, w- w- within their abilities. And, you know, Cooper Bateman didn't. Um, you know, what I would say about that whole thing is this. Um, it will take a big time. You know, I, don't, I know, Drew, you're going to be there, and I'm not. But it's going to take a huge scrimmage for Cooper Bateman to undo what he did last Saturday to get back into the quarterback race. And that's where I was hoping you were going to go. So you believe the two young players really are uh, taking control of this deal. And it looks like Blake Barnett, he, I've always thought he was a competitor. He's come back this week strong. But I guess we'll go and we'll go with him first before we go to the man who really performed the best that, uh, this past Saturday. But talk about Barnett. There was a lot of angst because he didn't perform well in the two scrimmages before A-Day last year. He did perform better at A-Day, but – what did you see as far as improvement? I know, of course, he's gained weight and gotten stronger, but from a skill standpoint, what did he do better uh, on Saturday? Look, and I, you know, I'm no Blake Barnett fan, um, right? But but I will I'll say this, you know, I always call it down the middle. Um, he 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 is very much improved um, over what he did last year. I mean, he. You know, and I'll, I'll keep saying the same things about Blake Barnett. You know, when he throws the balls out to the hash marks, bam, he gets them. Um, you know, and I saw this happen before my eyes in the scrimmage. Um, you know, as Jalen Hurts elevated himself from working with the three offense, you know, up to the twos, up to the ones, you, you kind of saw Blake Barnett press a little bit, and I thought, you know, get a little bit nervous about that whole thing. Uh, But that doesn't take away from the body of work that he did, which I thought was the best body of work I've seen out of him um, in a scrimmage situation at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Um, He did a great job. Um, You know, unfortunately for him, Jalen Hurts did a better job. But don't make no mistake about it. He he elevated his game. Um, you know, if I look at the thing, you know, realistically, um, the, the, where the tough conversation comes into play with Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin is if if we're going to make the statement where you know we played the older stable guy, um, you know, and that's Cooper Bateman. You know, he he laid an egg Saturday. You know, he didn't do anything well and and made, you know, uh, what, 
three pick sixes. Uh, you know, Blake Barnett and Jalen Hurts did not do any of those things. So you're going to have to look at that thing. You know, and I'm, I'm leaning on you, Drew, for, for going to the scrimmage on Saturday to see if this plays out. But um, those two young guys, you know, Jalen Hurts and Blake Barnett, um, they have better arm talents than uh, Cooper Bateman. Um, you know, and if Cooper Bateman is not going to protect the football, then why not play those two younger guys? And uh, I agree with that, William. Uh, and I, as you said, Barnett did throw a pick six. I mean, excuse me, uh, Cooper Bateman did throw a pick six. Then he did throw another interception to Hootie Jones. And, uh, and, and he just did not protect the football as the upperclassman. And uh, you bring up a great point because now we move on to Jalen Hurts, and this has a little bit to do with Barnett as well. The, the encouraging, the most encouraging thing besides the playmaking ability of Hurts, I thought that you talked about in the scrimmage when you told me how it went down was that these two young quarterbacks, until the very end when they were in two minute, protected the football and didn't turn it over. No, and I totally agree with that. And again, I, I freely admit I'm not a Blake Barnett fan. I don't think his arm is ad is is ad advertised, um, but I will say this: you know, I look at things with an objective view, and he is so much better than he was this time last spring um, at doing what he does. I mean, he, he you know, w- when you look at him, the, the thing that, that I see is, you know. He, he throws darts out there to the sidelines. And what I mean by that is he throws darts out there to outside of the hash marks. And the receivers respond, and, you know, the chains get moved. And he does a good job. Um, and, you know, I think that's a, a real positive versus what he was doing back in the spring. Uh, but, you know, at least on Saturday when I was there and I was watching all this stuff, he did all those things, but Jalen Hurts just did it at a better level. And then talk about that, William. Uh, and Jalen Hurts, from, from when you started uh, kind of giving me updates throughout that scrimmage, it pretty, pretty much started quickly and was making plays from the jump. Well, you know, I think the best thing you can say about Jalen Hurts is, you know, they started him off with the threes. You're not supposed to make plays when you're a quarterback working with the third-team offense, and he did. And they moved him up, you know, a couple, you know, plays later with the twos. Then he made plays with the twos. Um, Then he made plays with the ones. Um, You know, we can talk all day long about, you know, the Jalen Hurts factor, um, you know, he did it at every level, and none of the other two quarterbacks were capable of moving the team or making explosive uh, touchdown plays with, with those those people. Um, but, uh, you know, I just see it as Blake Barnett and Jalen Hurts are capable of doing this, but the incumbent, you know, the guy that, that everybody thinks is – you know, going to start versus USC, which he might. You know, I'm not in the the coaches' meetings, and, you know, it may happen. But Blake Barnett and Jalen Hurts are capable of moving those chains 
and Cooper Bateman is not. And that's about the best way you can put it, William. I mean, thus far, like you said, I think we're going to have to see, uh, you know, Bateman really improve come Saturday and play with a sense of urgency and move this football team if he wants to have a chance to take that first snap against Southern California. Now, uh, to continue to expand on Hurts, as you said, he made plays right away. Talk about, too, another, uh, I thought, interesting thing you brought up was for a young quarterback, he was already going through his reads and the ball was coming out on time. And then with what he brings with his feet and his playmaking ability, just something Alabama really has not had. Blake Sims, you, you know, he he was athletic and he could make plays with his feet. But this kid, I guess the best uh, term to use with Jalen Hurts is dynamic. Hell, Dre, you're trying to crucify me in one one, one damn segment. Um <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know the the way I describe it is as a robot. You know, when you watch him, you know he drops back. You know, let's just say that he's in the shotgun formation. Um, he yeah. drops back. You know, he looks at his first read. Um, if it's not there, bam! He looks at his second read, bam! If it's not there, he either dumps it off to OJ Howard or Brandon Green. Um, you know, after watching that scrimmage on Saturday, I said, you know, Christ, if Jalen Hurd, you know, is, is the quarterback, uh, O.J. Howard might win the high school um, because mm-hmm. he got so many touches. That was the thing that jumped out to me was he got so many touches from Jalen Hurts. But, you know, I, I don't want, you know, Alabama fans to think that this kid bails on the pocket because he doesn't. It, it's bam, 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 throw it to the tight end. You know, if I've got enough time left in the pocket, uh, if I don't dish it off to the tight end, I'm going to take off and run. It, it, it's like watching a symphony. Um, mm-hmm. he, he, he executes it perfectly. And, I mean, and what I and – I, and you played at Alabama during an outstanding time with uh, – Gene Stallings, and of course, they, you guys didn't throw the football nearly as much as under Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban, but you've seen young quarterbacks, and you've seen uh, kids that uh, just seem to have it. Uh, it seems like Jalen Hurts is, is a special kid, and as you told me afterwards, uh, the team seems to gravitate toward him, and uh, I'm just fascinated to see how he continues to battle here, um, and I know uh, I've asked you this on another radio program earlier in the week, but uh, should he go out and perform very well uh, on Saturday, do you do you think Nick Saban would finally uh, start a true freshman against Southern California? Do you think that's on the table? You know, Drew, I think the safe bet is this. I mean, I think you might see, uh, you know, versus Southern Cal, you might see, you know, Cooper Bacon takes the first snap. Um, mm-hmm. You might even see, you know, Blake Barnett take the first snap. But right. what this kid has done in Southern, uh, you know, in in, in uh, summer camp, mm-hmm. um, he's obviously positioned himself into being uh, part of this offense. And right. I think, you know, it's going to play out into the season. And I, I, you know, my personal opinion, I think it's going to play out into 
probably the first three games. Um, whether it's Cooper Bateman and Jalen Hurts, uh, Cooper Bateman and Blake Barnett, uh, Cooper Bateman and Jalen Hurts, I think, you know, that's what you're going to see, um, you know, within the first three games. So, so, Redfish, we've decided, you know, magnanimously to let to let you not talk about quarterbacks for the entire segment. And uh, thank you. I, I'm going to let. <laughs> I'm just looking out for you, buddy. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to give you the softball of all softballs as a former offensive lineman. What was your impression of that position group uh, during the uh, scrimmage this past weekend? Well, the, you know, the first thing I guess that you know that jumped out to me about those guys is, you know, Alphonse Taylor is you know given being given. Um, every opportunity to win his right guard spot back. Um, you know, if you look at it, it's Cam Robinson at left tackle, uh, Lester Cotton at left guard, you know, Ross Pierce-Bacher at center. You know, then you have the revolving door um, at right guard between Bradley Bozeman and Alphonse Taylor. And then, of course, you've got, uh, you know, my man crush of all man crushes, uh, Jonah Williams at right tackle. Um, you know, let's just let it play out and see how it works. Um, but, you know, Thomas, as you're saying, um, th- they've got it all right there, you know, under their hands. Um, you know, people don't want to admit that, uh, you know, Bo Scarborough is, if he's healthy, um, is as good as Derrick Henry. But, uh you know, you've got everything right there under your fingertips, um, you know, with the Alabama offense. And, of course, you have the best offensive coordinator in college football and the best QB whisperer, Lane Kiffin, pulling all those strings. And, William, uh, we wanted to also – um, ask you uh, about uh, the, the defensive side of the football. Uh, you're very cool. We know you know Jeremy Pruitt very well. and You've been uh, outspoken and said you feel like he's going to be an upgrade over Kirby Smart and that this defense has a chance to be special. Uh, what did you see out of that unit on Saturday that really encouraged you uh, going up against uh, a young offense but a talented group? Well, I'll tell you what I saw. Uh, you know, when, when they – you know, got down there and, and they went red zone versus best on best. Uh, there was no room to run. Um, you know, Jeremy Pritt dialed that defense up, you know, defense up and said, you know, guess what? We're not going to let you do this. And they didn't. Um, I would say to Alabama fans, um, you know, Kirby Smart's gone, Jeremy Pritt's in. And guess what? Uh, When you have, you know, multiple first-round draft picks like Tim Williams, uh, Reuben Foster, um, you know, even a guy that might go, you know, slide into the third round like Ryan Anderson, good luck running that damn football between the tackles. Absolutely. It's going to be very tough. Uh, I know, uh, and 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 then uh, kind of intertwining into that, 
uh, we, we've got to talk about the departures. Uh, but uh, with uh, Kendall Sheffield the, after the scrimmage, it was his last one in an Alabama uniform. He is now – we broke that story on uh, – you know, as uh, – uh, on uh, you, as you know, you were on there with me in uh, Tuscaloosa yesterday on Ryan Fowler's show. As I sat in for him, uh, Kendall Sheffield headed to Blinn Junior College in Texas. Uh, but as you have been, the, when you were the first to report uh, after you know doing your due diligence uh, at, during spring football, this Kendall Sheffield departure, he was competing with Anthony Averett and was behind Anthony Averett, no question, for that third corner spot uh, in the in the nickel. Uh, but uh, Kendall Sheffield, this departure shouldn't really shock a lot of people. No, it shouldn't. Uh, you know, I think this is a uh, a byproduct of you know a guy like Jeremy Pruitt coming in, you know, and a guy like you know Kirby Smart going out. You know, you look at the things, and you know, people say, um, you know, hey. Why is this going on? We're so upset and all this other stuff. Um, you know, give give a guy like Jeremy Pruitt credit for, you know, what he wants to do. He doesn't like short, squatty corners. He wants long, lean guys, um, you know, six foot one, six foot two guys that, that you know, that can play that spot. You know, just trust and you mm-hmm. know, I think people will be happy. And you know, there's been seven transfers since the spring, William, and uh, of course, among them, the defensive back Sean Burgess Becker uh, from Central, going to Central Florida, uh, Maury Smith, now the nickelback at Georgia, and uh, and and Kendall Sheffield, and to Blinn Junior College. It, would, it wouldn't be a stretch to say that Jeremy Pruitt, the only one of those three he liked, was the senior, or would have been rising senior Smith. Well, you know, I think he he was very honest, you know, after uh, spring practice, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the whole damn deal. Um, I, I don't think it's it's real special that, you know, people talk about this stuff. But, you know, he, he was real honest when he said, you know, hey, you know, Jared Maiden is the future at one of those cornerback spots. So mm-hmm. you have to look at it and say, um, you know, hey, can, will Marlon Humphrey go pro after this year? That, that's a real, you know, Drew, that's a real consideration. I mean, he is considered one of the top cornerback prospects in the country. Um, right. So, you know, that could play out. Um you know, obviously, you know, in a negative way, uh, you know, if he is offered, you know, top 15 cornerback money, um, does he go? Yes, he will. Right. So then you've got Anthony Everett, then you've got Shaheen Carter, then you've got A-Rob. So, you know, what's the problem? Why is this a talking point with Alabama football fans? Yeah, exactly. They, because, uh, as you said, and we even saw it. We saw the uh, cover corner for Clemson after the national championship game, William. He didn't even make it through that game. He got injured, uh, but he had he had, had an all-ACC uh, year and made some all-American teams. We've started to see more redshirt sophomores go into the draft 
uh, as long as their stock is, if they're a lock in the first round. We, we know Nick Saban's uh, uh, philosophy. If you're a first-round pick, he tells you to go. And I think Marlin absolutely has that opportunity. You know, he yeah, might go pro. Yeah. I mean, I mean he's he, getting he, a lot of talk, Drew. Yeah, he's going to be Alabama's top corner. I mean, there's no doubt about it because I think in a perfect world now, with especially with Maurice Smith gone, if if he had stayed, they could have you know moved him uh, from the nickel to the dime and, and moved Minka Fitzpatrick from uh, around, had him on the field sometimes as in, in the base as a corner, then had him playing nickel. Now I think uh, with uh, Maurice gone, they'd, they'd like they'd like to leave. Minka at the, at the star position, even though Shyam Carter's getting cross trained there too. Uh, but I, we've talked about it a little bit. William, you saw him uh, run the pick six back. Uh, there has been a lot of buzz about Shyam Carter in the summer, and since he enrolled, what was your impressions of him? I know uh, Minka Fitzpatrick made a lot of waves early on in his Tide career, and that ended up uh, that was a foreshadowing of a big freshman year. Do you see similarities in the two? Well, you know, I I really thought that, you know, as an Alabama fan, I first thought that, you know, we took Shaheen Carter to, you know, get, you know, you bring in the San Petito thing from Georgia. Um, I really thought that it was, you know, Shaheen Carter, San Petito, hey, we're going to get the number one player out of Louisiana. Um you know, the wide receiver, Devonta Smith, you know, type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but, no, I mean, the things that you bring to the forefront are, are good stuff. And uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, Alabama fans need to stop and take a look at what's going on with all that stuff and say, you know, uh, you know, you might read this stuff on the internet and, and all that other stuff, but it's time to, uh, you know, take 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 down all that stuff into consideration. Yeah, absolutely. That looks like Shane Carter is going to make an impact. Also, you are you mentioned a Rob. His time, his clock will be moved up with the departure of Kendall Sheffield. He is liable to at least the special teams duty now, without a doubt. Uh, and as we talked about, uh, also uh, there's a uh, and as, as you said, uh, uh, Jeremy put very high on Jared Maiden and his future uh, back there uh, in the defensive backfield. But William, to circle back, we we haven't really spoken about it, and we're uh, of course we'll have another few minutes with you here, and we appreciate it on Bams Radio tonight uh the running back situation we know Bo Scarborough got a little dinged up only had three or four carries uh well, they've got four talented players there just uh your thoughts on do you still think Bo Scarborough is going to be the guy I know you've said at the end of, and you were right about it that at the end of spring Damian Harris had made a huge push uh and really was first team going in to fall camp uh do you what are you th- looking for out of this running back group I, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, Drew, I think you're right. Um, it, it, it's true, uh, you know, football-wise. And I think you have to look at it. Um, you know, most Scarborough, of course, is the alpha male there. And, yeah. you know, then you've got B.J. Emmons coming in behind him. 
Damian Harris coming in behind him, and then, of course, Josh Jacobs. But what I want to say to, you know, the Alabama fans that are worried about it is don't. Um, There is, uh, you know, if you look at it, Drew, it's Bo Scarborough was the number one running back in the country. Okay, you know, even with Leonard Fournette, Bo Scarborough was the number one running back in the country. Um, then, of course, you've got Damian Harris. Then you've got B.J. Emmons. Then you've got Josh Jacobs. So how do you look at it? Um, what I saw Saturday was Joshua Jacobs running wild on the damn defense. So that's what you've got, Drew. I'm sorry to, you know, take away from everything that you've got, but uh, Josh Jacobs is the best running back down there right now. And I've been very high on him, as you know. Uh, He was a late addition to the recruiting process. I'm anxious to see him on Saturday, the way I look at it, uh, Bo Scarborough, we know he's a talent, as you said, and uh, he's been waiting his turn, but he's got to get better at the little things. Damian Harris has ability. We saw, I saw, he, he looked pretty good at the open practice, both the freshmen, BJ Emmons, uh, and I know he's he's really impressed during practice, but as you said, the scrimmages are, are so important. But with Emmons and then, uh, then B, and uh, Joshua Jacobs, they're going to be able to run the football. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Because uh, and with Burton Burns coaching them, he's going to do an outstanding job developing those young guys. But I wanted to bring something up. Thomas and I talked about this, and he was uh, he made reference to if Jalen Hurts is as good as the you know the Alabama fans think he could be, and what he could bring to the offense in a Deshaun Watson type role. He did say in the future he thinks Alabama could be almost unstoppable offensively because of a guy like Najee Harris. Najee Harris, I've, you've talked about how good he is on this show before and what he could do in the future. But do you think he's good enough? He won't start from the first time he steps on campus. He's going to have to still earn it. But we've heard about his work ethic. We've heard about how talented he is. Do you, do you think even with those four guys and and really all four of them are, would be slated to return unless there was someone who transferred uh, during uh, before he got uh, to campus. But do you think that Najee, uh, once he gets comfortable at Alabama, is going to pass a lot of those guys quickly? I'll say this. Alabama already has the best true freshman offensive lineman that I've ever seen at left tackle, and that's Jonah Williams. Um, They're bringing in the best animal I've ever seen at any offensive line position in my life in Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. You, right. you put those two guys in a combination. And then, of course, you put uh, Najee Harris behind those two guys. I think you're talking about two national championships, two na- uh, uh, Heisman championships. So it's you think, you think be... Najee Harris could win two Heisman trophies? Oh, I think he will. If he comes in, uh, yes. 
Wow. I mean, that, that that's significant because he is a big-time talent, and Alabama's going to work as hard as they can to keep him uh, committed. Uh, I know they uh, they still feel really good about it. And uh, with all the talent that's already on that team, it, it does, as you said, shifting Jonah from right tackle to left tackle as a sophomore, Alex Leatherwood coming in, all the, the outstanding players Mario Cristobal has recruited on the interior of the offensive line. And then you take into account uh, Devonta Smith, who is not committed yet but should, Jerry Judy. Uh, it's an embarrassment of riches, William. It's a, It makes you wonder if Lane Kiffin is going to – uh, he does want to get a head coaching job and leave, but I know if uh, Najee Harris comes in, <laughs> he, he's going to take the perfect offer, kind of like it did, I guess, from Kirby Smart uh, when Kirby Smart was uh, uh, courted by Georgia for Lane Kiffin to leave all those players. <laughs> um, you know, you just brought up a great point. Um, me personally, I'm going to sit back and watch and see if uh, Lane Train is not the next head coach at Alabama. That's interesting. Uh, I would, I, I never would have, have thought that, uh, you know, a year ago. I still think that's far-fetched uh, because of, uh, you know, his past history. But I do know that he will get uh, – if Alabama has success this year – uh, and if he decide if he gets the right offer, I'm sure he would look to move on. But if he continues on this path, he Alabama will have enough success where he will get that opportunity. And you just hope that he's matured as a human being. Uh, I think he was a little he, he got a head coaching job so early in his career at a place like Tennessee, uh, and then at Southern California he wasn't really ready for it. But working under the master like Nick Saban, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how uh, he, uh, you know, how he, in his next opportunity, how he performs. I don't think there's any doubt. But I guess, William, finally, to wrap it up with you here tonight in this opening hour of BAMS Radio, uh, I know you're going to be uh, definitely uh, uh, waiting to see how these quarterbacks perform uh, in this scrimmage. But uh, besides the QB battle, uh, what, what's the other couple things you're gonna, that's, gonna, that's really intriguing to you that you're going to be watching closely? Uh, you know, I'm not going to watch the uh, the right guard spot. I, you know, I think that, you know, un- unless he doesn't lose his weight, I think Shank Taylor is going to win that job. But, you yeah. know, the thing that, that, that really intrigues me the most is, you know, who are these guys that are going to step up, you know, behind Marlon Humphrey, Anthony Everett, um, you know, mm-hmm. back on you know, back on the the back end of that defense. Um that's what intrigues me the most, Drew. Uh, it should be very, very interesting. Well, William, we always appreciate the time. Thank you for joining BAMS Radio. Have a good rest of your night, man, and uh, we look forward to your thoughts next week after this second scrimmage when uh this team will start taking shape uh for their preparation for Southern Cal. All right, Bob. Thank you very much. That was William Redfish Barger. And, Thomas, I'm going to bring you back in on the conversation. Uh, some very uh, interesting uh, takes by William, especially uh, I wanted to bring up your thoughts on Najee Harris. And if he comes into Alabama, the sky seems to be the limit with uh, all the young talent offensively. It makes you wonder uh, what kind of offer it would take to get Lane Kiffin to leave. You know, I don't know. That is that is a legitimate thing. I know that Lane Kiffin, during the national championship celebration, or uh, during the lead-up to the national championship game, excuse me, said that he would hire Steve Sarkeesian if he got a head coaching job. 
So you get some of the feeling that Kiffin's really looking, but I, I, it, it's so hard for me to wrap my head around that right now. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out. Play like a champion is in our back chat or our chat room, not our back chat, but uh, right. I made the comment to him looking at this season and I can't believe I'm saying this. It's another one of those things that kind of like Jalen Hurts is a true freshman starting for the Alabama Crimson Tide at quarterback. It's hard to really fathom, but I look at this coaching staff. I look at how this team is constructed and I'm not sure that Alabama has ever been stronger under Nick Saban. Like with the offense seems a a dynamic quarterback away from being absolutely overwhelming. And then playing off what Redfish said with Jeremy Pruitt, they go into, you know, red zone and Jeremy Pruitt dials up the defense. The defense is just like, Nope, that's, 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 that's not going to happen. So, I mean, it's crazy to think about, but it it just, it seems kind of like the reality to me. I'm sure that there are, you can build great arguments for those, the fantastic teams under AJ McCarron. You know, I, I still think that that 2012 offensive line group with DJ Fluker and Chance Warmack and Barrett Jones, that's, the single greatest offensive line in college football, at least for the past 25 years. I mean, it was just unbelievable, but man, it's hard not to be really, really excited about what Alabama has this year and over the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, uh, the sky seems to be the limit and you know, if Lane Kiffin moves on and he ultimately wants to be a head coach again, there's no doubt about it. That's why he came to work for coach Saban. Uh, But if, if that happens, uh, it, the, you know, Nick Nick Saban's not going to have he's going to it's not going to be tough to attract quality candidates wanting to coach some of this personnel <laughs> is all I'll say. And, oh yeah. And and what we've seen, Nick Saban, he, he he's always going to be a guy that wants to run the football and control the clock and take the air out of the ball, but he wants explosive plays too. He gives his coordinators latitude. We've seen Lane Kiffin produce three thousand yard passers, so he doesn't restrict his offensive coordinators. He just puts demands on them to do their jobs and to execute and and uh, and to not forget about running the football in some way, shape, or form. And the one thing about Alabama that when you have a head coach that's committed to being physical and committed to playing good defense and running the ball, unlike Ole Miss, who's never really been able to execute and and win close games and convert much needed, you know, third and twos, fourth and ones. At Alabama, you don't ever have to worry about that because Nick Saban is his teams are not are going to have an edge. They're going to be uh, you know hard nosed or you know it's just like uh, the one you know criticism and we'll see how it plays out on the field. But about you know Jeremy Pruitt was well his teams at Georgia struggled against the run sometimes. You know what will happen at Alabama? Let me tell you something. A lot of times it's who you work for. He worked for Mark Rick, who's a very nice guy, good football coach, but is as soft as a pillow. And, you know, he's an offensive coach. When you work for Nick Saban, you will stop the run or you will be fired. It I basically absolutely. comes – I mean, it comes as uh, – it's as plain as that. I mean, you're you're not going to be soft or you're going to have hell to pay. And I just think Jerry Pruitt is glad to be back at Alabama, glad to be working under Nick Saban. Uh, who he knows very well, who's a defensive-oriented coach, and I just think it's going to be a great fit for Alabama, and it's a it's a good thing that he's back, and uh, no doubt about it. But, Thomas, I know in another minute or so we've got to, and I guess right now we need to, we need to take our five-minute break. 
uh, and uh, get Rodney Orr on the horn. He's going to be our next guest, and uh, he, we haven't spoken with him for a while on Bams Radio. We want to get his take going into this scrimmage and also what he's heard uh, in the, in the uh, coming days since uh, scrimmage number one, and uh, maybe talk a little recruiting as well uh, with the founder and owner of TylerInsider.com. We'll be back with you in about five minutes on Bams Radio. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear And the way the sunlight plays upon her head I hear the sound of a gentle On the wind that lifts her perfume through the air I'm picking up Second hour of BAMS Radio, 
And uh, Drew, I have to say, fantastic first hour with Redfish. I'm really looking forward to the conversations that we're going to have in the second hour with Rodney Orr of Tider Insider. We're also going to be uh, joined by Barton Simmons, the 247 scouting director. Uh, so we'll get a little bit of recruiting there, too. But uh, before we really jump back into that, I want to talk about the upcoming football season from the perspective of the BAMS radio tailgate. Uh, want to give a quick shout out to the good folks at the Shelby County Alumni Club. They are going to help us get our tent set up and uh, make sure it's you know ready to go. We are going to be doing the tailgate itself a little bit differently. Uh, you're always anybody's always welcome to come hang out. You know, see, see Bams folks. You've got a nice little community going on, obviously. But uh, it's not going to be just show up and eat. What, what we're going to ask is a potluck style tailgate. You know, if you can bring a bag of chips or some such, and, and, and you know, an actual bag of chips, not a not, not a snack sized bag of Doritos. I'll, I'll look at you like there's snakes coming out of your head if you do that. But um, you know, just something to contribute or just a small monetary donation. You know, a few dollars, and uh, we'd really appreciate it. But we'll be there for every home game. And uh, if you can't make it, if you don't have tickets to the game. I don't actually have many tickets to games this year, but I, I need to stay outside and help with the tailgate. But I believe if we don't have a TV at our tailgate, the folks at Shelby County, which are right next to us, do have a ta- do have a television, so they'll be playing all kinds of games. You're welcome to come visit us. We're right in front of Moore Hall, right pretty much caddy corner to Denny Chimes. So if you want to, if you're if you're a recruitnik and want to see. Some of the uh, some of the good folks that might be coming to play for the Tide, they generally stroll right by our tailgates on game day mornings. So, come on, say you've heard on you've heard of Bams Radio. Come hang out; we'd always appreciate it. But you know, Drew, what what do you think? I haven't had a chance to speak to Rodney at all, so so this will be very enlightening for me. What do you think we're going to hear from him on the whole fall camp situation? Well, I, you know, it's a very talented football team and. I think what what you're going to hear is they still have a ways to go. Uh, I think, honestly, uh, and this is kind of also the keep it real segment, offensively, you know, right now I think they're, you know, very talented but young, and there's concerns. And by concerns, I mean, uh, and we'll talk to Rodney about this, leadership. I mean, you know, on defense, there's leaders at, on every level. Uh, when you look at the secondary, Eddie Jackson, been through the fire, all SEC, you know, great football player. They brought him to SEC media days for a reason. Reuben Foster, uh, the players all gravitate to him. He's now a senior. Um, you know, he he he's he's he was had a standout year last year by you know beside Reggie Ragland at the wheel. Now he's in the mic. Uh, he's performed very well in the spring and the fall. Williams said he was everywhere uh, in the scrimmage. So. You've got uh, Reuben Foster uh, that can lead, and then Ryan Anderson, too. I would never want to meet Ryan Anderson in a dark alley. Uh, he's a very serious guy, very smart, but he's another leader at outside linebacker. And then uh, it, on the D-line, you've got a quiet leader like Dalvin Tomlinson, but the alpha dog of that group is John Allen. So you have leadership defensively. What you don't have is um, – a, a, a proven leader offensively. I mean, you, you got, and this is as young as I've seen one of Coach Saban's teams in a long time. 
up the middle. You know, when Barrett Jones moved to center his last year, he had been through the fire at two other positions. So you knew once he got used to the position, the leadership would be there. Uh, they've had really good centers uh, throughout uh, Coach Saban's tenure. Uh, you know, uh, uh, they had a you know Caldwell who played uh, for uh, for a while. I think he still may be in the NFL. Antoine Caldwell uh, was the it was Coach Saban's really first center at the University of Alabama. Then you had William Vallejos who started uh, forty plus games. Then you had Barry Jones, and then you had Ryan Kelly. You've had great player after great player after great player. Now Ross Piersbaker could be that uh, another great player, but he's never played the position. He was left guard last year. He's moved over to center. Uh, now you have a quarterback. Uh, all, all three of them in the race are inexperienced. Cooper Bateman, of course, Blake Sims. But see, that's the thing. Blake Sims had at least played more than Cooper Bateman in mop-up duty. He just hadn't thrown the football uh, all that much. And – uh, you know, and you, so you didn't really know what to think, but you saw him in the fall and in the spring, especially, you know, at times just lighted up. So you knew the potential was there at quarterback, uh, and he was a senior. And then Jake Coker, he had played very little behind uh, Jameis Winston and Blake Sims, but there was a lot of things people didn't know about, intangible things as far as leadership that made him special. Could this, could, with one of the, could like Blake Barnett, I've always thought he had excellent leadership uh, traits. Could he uh, lead as a redshirt freshman? Yes. And or, and what about Jalen Hurts, the son of a coach? He's been tremendous also, but they haven't played. And so that's the thing that kind of worries you a little bit. There, There isn't a lot of experience there. And then at running back, for the first time in Nick Saban's senior, there hasn't been that guy that's uh, been the backup, that's been waiting in the wings, ready to start. Bo Scarborough, we saw a little bit of him last year, showed excellent potential. Also, Damian Harris, but they haven't played a lot. Only 64 carries between them. And then we've had the two freshmen, the true freshmen, B.J. Mines, and, uh, and then uh, Joshua Jacobs. And you, and you worry about them being assignment sound with the pass protections, picking up the blitzes uh, as a, you know, a hot route, as a receiver. So it's just going to be interesting to see kind of where that is. And then when you think about it, uh, two of the guys on the offensive line that you thought would be leaders, and I still think they're going to be, but – Cam Robinson and uh, Alphonse Shank Taylor both had off the season, you know, incidents. And then you have uh, OJ Howard, who uh, he, he's being counted on as a leader because when I saw the team picture taken, one side uh, uh, Reuben Foster, the other OJ Howard. So they think he is going to be a leader, but he's always seemed to be kind of a quiet kid. So you don't really know where that leadership is going to come from. One underrated guy that I think you're going to see some from is the redshirt junior, uh, Ardarius Stewart. I think he's somebody that uh, the wide receivers all really respect. You could see him uh, providing some leadership. But he's just right now that leadership is not obvious as it has been in uh, past seasons. And I know now on our uh, Sunbelt 10s hotline, we do have Rodney Orr uh, back with us here on BAMS Radio for a few minutes. Rodney, uh, the founder and owner of TiterInsider.com and great friend of mine. How are you this evening? Thank you for the time. Hey, uh, I'm doing really well, Drew. I hope you are as well. Yes, I, I really am. And Thomas and I are honored to have you join us on the Sunbelt the Sun Belt Tents Hotline. And uh, Rodney, I was just talking about leadership offensively. And I guess with where we are at fall camp and, and where this quarterback race is going, and there's so much young talent on this offense, and, and yet much of it, at least at some positions, besides wide receiver, is unproven. Uh, where are you on this? Uh, are, you, are you at all worried about the leadership aspect on offense? 
I'm just more concerned overall about the inexperience in terms of playing time. I, I, you know, the, the leadership, you know, when you look at it, there's generally, you know, two, three guys that uh, that you have that are really kind of carry that, I think, for the most part on, on maybe each side of the ball or whatever. But I think when you look at it, Alabama has some guys with a lot of experience. Listen, leadership's not so much about, you know what? Whether you're a freshman or a junior or a senior, whatever, it's 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 just more of a, you know, a mentality that you have. It's it's a quality that you have, in my opinion. And sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't. And uh, I think guys like Cam Robinson, certainly O.J. Howard, and, and I know that uh, Cam had that situation in the offseason, but I, that's that's something that was really the first mark in, against him the whole time he'd been here. So I still think Cam Robinson is a very big leader on this team and has been. And I mentioned O.J. Howard. I think some of the receivers that have been around for a while, obviously, uh, have, they've certainly got those leadership qualities. Uh, I even think the addition of Derek Dieter is really big in that regard because I think that's something that really comes naturally to him is that he's he's got those leadership qualities even though he's a new guy but think about what Mulaney did last year in that regard as he helped the receiver core and the offense as a whole um you know he showed a lot of leadership so I'm really not too concerned about that uh right now I'm just um more concerned about them getting all the pieces together so to speak and talk about getting all those pieces together Rodney of course the biggest piece will be quarterback uh, William Redfish Barger was on with us in uh, the first hour, and he still he he believes Cooper Bateman is going to need a very fine performance this this coming Saturday to continue to solidify taking that first snap against Southern California because of the way he performed in the scrimmage last weekend, and then you kind of hear rumblings from practice and, and of that in that regard. Uh, where do you stand on the on this quarterback issue? I know you've heard a lot of the buzz about Jalen Hurts. He he seems to be kind of a different breed when he got here. And then Blake Barnett's made physical strides uh, and improved, as William said. He's gotten he, he looked much better than in the spring. Uh, some people think it's a two man race between the two freshmen. Some people still have Cooper Bateman slightly ahead. Where do you stand on this? Well, I mean, I really don't have a projection per se. I, I think that clearly. Uh, you know, those three guys are right in the mix, and and I don't know what direction they're going to go, nor for what reasons. I mean, they could start one guy and uh, give him an opportunity, and, you know, maybe Cooper Bateman, due to where they feel he is in terms of managing the offense and his seniority, so to speak, he may get, you know, that first crack against USC. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I think clearly when you start talking about the future of this team and probably the future of the program, certainly you're talking about those two young guys, Blake Barnett and Jalen Hurts. Uh, Barnett, the redshirt freshman, Hurts, true freshman. So I think those are the two guys, that, in my opinion, that probably uh, stand a really good chance to eventually become a, the quarterback of this team. And then uh, all the other pieces, so to speak, seem to be in place for this offense. But as you said, still a lot of inexperience. Uh, we Just as you were coming on, I was talking about how inexperienced this team is up the middle compared to a lot of other teams in Coach Saban's tenure. Uh, 
but still very, very talented but inexperienced. Should we expect growing pains from this offense early? Possibly. I mean, you never know, especially when you have a lot of new parts up front on the offensive line. I mean, you have Cam Robinson back. Obviously, Pierce Baker's back, but he's in a new position. Uh, you right. know, we don't know exactly what's going to shake out at right guard between Shank Taylor and Bradley Bozeman and, you know, whoever else, Dallas Warmack, whatever. But I, I, I think that the, the, the hope is that, that Shank Taylor will eventually, you know, be back in, in there in his starting role because he did start 15 games last year on the national championship team. And, but, you know, Bradley Bozeman's done a nice job too. Uh, you know, in his mm-hmm. career when he's had to fill in and play. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that's been around and certainly has some experience. And, you know, I think the right tackle spot, you, you're probably going to start a true freshman, Jonah Williams, it certainly appears. And uh, he's a guy that hasn't had a snap of college football. So you really don't know how he'll respond. Now, I do think the expectation for him is, is very promising. Uh, and then at left guard, Lester Cotton and, we know that he's a big physical guy who can maul people. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they all kind of come together. And on top of that, you have new running backs. You have four guys, I believe, that could have a contribution, uh, be contributors in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, Bo Scarborough's got a tremendous amount of talent. Damian Harris behind him and the two true freshmen, B.J. Emmons and Joshua Jacobs, have both been extremely impressive to actually – I talked to someone very close to the program today uh, mm-hmm. briefly uh, who uh, I didn't really mention the name B.J. Emmons, but uh, his number came up, number six. And <laughs> when I said number six, the guy said the real deal. And then he said number 25 is just like, you know, in terms of his ability. And uh, also had some very good things to say about Jalen Hurts, but, uh, I thought that was interesting how he uh, really thought that the two young freshmen or, or running backs have uh, tremendous potential. Yeah, they really do. And, and we've already even talked about the future should Alabama hold on to Najee Harris and how good he is and and, uh, and so much of this young talent uh, that's on this football team. Uh, it, uh, offensively, it has a chance from a weapon standpoint, I think, to be very potent should everyone mature. But I do think uh, that there could be some growing pains early, though. I, Jalen Hurts and, and what he's done, Blake Barnett. I, I'm just very going to be. I'm going to be very interested to see what all happens this coming Saturday, uh, Rodney. I think uh, you and I have spoken about this a little bit. Uh, don't be surprised that Nick Saban and uh, and Lane Kiffin are going to try to put these two in the fire and see how they react come Saturday. Well, I, I think all three of them, yeah. I think all three of them are certainly going to have to face the fire some uh, to get an idea of which one maybe is most ready. But and I, I still think ultimately it's going to be interesting to see how Barnett and Hertz kind of develop over the next few weeks, and you know what their roles might be at, uh, in the event that uh, Bateman did get the start. But if not, which one of those two guys would you go with? And you know, would they both play? Uh, a lot of questions there, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I'll say this. There's a lot of people that are talking about, well, you've got Jalen Hurts, you play him, you're going to lose these guys. You know, all that stuff may be true, but at some point you have to start 
thinking about what are we going to do to have success this year for this team. And if he's the best guy, then he has to play. You can't worry about how to affect recruiting with Tua Tagovailoa or whatever. Uh, you know, there's been some people on the internet concerned about, well, what if Hurts plays and he's successful and has a great year? Well, isn't that good? Isn't that what you want? And will it scare off Tua? Well, nobody really knows. But I'll say this: you, you certainly have to play to your team now. And then I think if you have success, that's only a positive in recruiting. So I'm not really trying to find ways to to be negative about it. I, I think you need to look at it in a positive way. Well, I think that's a great way to put it, Rodney. And uh, what have you heard? I know you, you you said you've heard some buzz today about some of the offensive skill guys. Any info out there defensively about how the, the, the coaching staff feels right now? You know, I really haven't. Uh, I, I think that uh, the people I person I talked to today, it was just real briefly, and it was about those three offensive players. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I think the thing that's the question is, you know, up front defensively they've got four high-quality defensive linemen, you know, Deshaun Hand, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne is certainly, a, you know, he's a force to be reckoned with, and also Dalvin Tomlinson's a superb college football player. But after that, I think the concern is where's the depth going to come from? You know, how quickly are these guys going to come around? I think I do think Josh Frazier's in better shape than he was last year. I, I looked at him a little more closely yesterday. He does appear mm-hmm. to be in better shape. And, you know, if he'll do everything he's supposed to do, he's got a chance to make it really – you know, solid impact because they're going to need his his depth that he can provide. And then you've got the young guys, Raquan Davis. We we're not sure on his academic eligibility yet, but I think it's very promising from what we hear. The expectation is that uh, they think he's in good position to to, to be cleared, but uh, you never know until it happens. But you need him to come around. You need Jamar King to come around. And, you know, he's a guy that did not get to go through the summer workouts because he got here late. And uh, But you really need him. And maybe even Quentin Williams, a freshman from Winona. And uh, besides those guys, uh, you know, there's possibly Dakota Ball. Uh, I know that he's been working there quite a bit on the defensive line. So uh, you'd like to get a good rotation and, and if, to do that. They've got to have Josh Frazier and the three newcomers really uh, step it up. Yeah, they really do. And now we know Kendall Sheffield is no longer with the program. Uh, we know Maurice Smith has moved on, Sean Burgess-Becker, but a lot of young talent in that secondary. Uh, not really worried about that. I know they're going to need some guys to step up. But the one thing they do need is they need to keep the starting five six healthy. Definitely. You know, definitely. I think with Marlon Humphrey at one corner, and it looks like Anthony Averett possibly at another corner, and, you know, Minka at the star, I guess it all depends. But uh, mm-hmm. that's the way it was in the dime package the other day. Uh, and we'll, we'll see how it all of them, but certainly those guys, Minka could play outside too. I mean, he's been working at corner a lot. So, um, you know, we'll see. And then, it, you know, on the deep end, you've got Eddie Jackson and Ronnie Harrison who are doing really well. And Deontay Thompson's an up-and-comer, redshirt freshman. So he's he's a, obviously a very good player. And I, I really like Trevon Diggs, a true freshman. Mm-hmm. He's play, playing both ways right now, still practicing both ways. And 
doing very well from all indications. So I like those guys. And then you've got Jared Maiden, who's working at corner. You've got Aaron Robinson, who's working at corner, two true freshmen. Those guys both are very promising players. And Shai Carter also. And Shai Carter also, I noticed today he was lined up at star in one of those. Uh, I couldn't tell if it was the dime or the nickel, but he was lined up at star with the twos. And um, he's a guy that's showing a ton of uh, promise as well. So, it, again, a lot of young guys have an opportunity to contribute. Yeah, they really do. You know, there's a lot of talent. Uh, in that secondary, and then uh, a lot of there's some young linebackers uh, like Ben Davis, like Mac Wilson. Uh, Mac Wilson seems to have made a quick recovery from the knee and shoulder surgeries, and uh, looks like he has a lot of potential. The defense, I think, is going to be fine. They have the leadership. You already have that kind of defined, and with this coaching staff, it's just going to come down to uh, offensively uh, how quickly these guys mature. And uh, they're playing a good opponent in USC, so there's not going to be a lot of time. But it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, uh, really ultimately how this quarterback deal plays out. I mean, Cooper Bateman, it needs to perform Saturday in order to, I think, stay the uh, incumbent in this race. But I think that uh, everyone realizes, as you said, Rodney, how talented these two freshmen are. uh, And it should be very interesting uh, to watch it all play out. And now you kind of did mention recruiting. That's kind of slowed down a little bit, Rodney. Uh, not really surprised this time of year. A couple of announcements that look to be going Alabama's way still seem to be favoring the tide with uh, Jedrick Wills and also uh, Devonta Smith. But those uh, those uh, announcements uh, got pushed back instead of this week. Looks like uh, maybe next week or in the coming days before the season. Yeah, I, I haven't heard definitively when they'll do it, but I know it's supposed to be soon. Uh, Jedrick Wills out of Lexington, Kentucky, a uh, really outstanding offensive line prospect. Uh, seems like Alabama certainly still the very strong favorite there, as well as with Devontae Smith, who is an outstanding wide receiver. So Alabama doing really well with, on the offensive line again and also at wide receiver. So um, those would certainly be two valuable pickups. And you know, we'll see from there. Like you said, Drew, I think it has slowed down quite a bit in terms of recruiting. And I think really, until we get to, to be honest with you, November, December, uh, it's it's really difficult to start putting a lot of stock in. It's just like with Najee Harris. People have been talking for how long now? Will he stick with Alabama, you know, and so forth and so on. Well, you know, again, let's say he's still committed in November. Obviously, that's a good sign. But still, you have the stretch run, which is December, January, and the last Mm -hmm. week of you know, recruiting is really, I mean, it's like you're trying to hold on for dear life until you get them on, you know, ink the paper, so to speak. So, um, but again, I, I think a guy like Najee Harris, for example, it's just my understanding he plans to be an early enrollee. So that would be good yep. if you could get him on campus in late December and whatever and enroll him in school in January. That'd be a, a huge deal. Yeah, it would be. And I think that would be the best thing for Alabama uh, to, uh, you know, get, get him in early and get that over with. And the other thing I think is encouraging about him is he doesn't seem to like interviews or the media, so he doesn't play the whole kind of game. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's amazing, though. You see everybody, all these different websites and so forth. And it's about four or five different schools that think they've already got him flipped. And, you know, if you <laughs> listen to their moderators and then um, – it's, it's the same thing with Tua. 
so that's, yeah. that's interesting. That's why I say I, I think it's best to wait. And we know uh, Nick Saban has been through these wars, and uh, he, he even with all the transfers and uh, the perception uh, with about, you know seven guys leaving, some of these uh, players needed to go somewhere else. They were you know when when you have a change in coaching as Alabama has in their staff. Some guys are preferred by uh, new – when you bring in new blood on staff, it's just they like to get their own guys in. And uh, and the thing that I've noticed is Nick Saban is allowing uh, Jeremy Pruitt a lot of uh, latitude. Uh, he's starting to put his imprint on this defense. And uh, we know how good a recruiter uh, Jeremy Pruitt is. And then there's one thing, Rodney, uh, we've, we've ne- you've never had to worry about recruiting under Coach Saban. The coaching staff has changed every year under him, but the, the, the bottom line is as long as he's in that uh, office with the uh, automatic door, uh, the Crimson Tide are going to be in good shape. No doubt. Starts with the head coach, and I think that's the most important thing. And he, it really, he does an outstanding job of getting, you know, great assistant coaches and guys that are also really top-notch recruiters. And, you know, sometimes there's been, I guess, at times things haven't worked out with a few coaches and you know they've made changes and what have you but uh it just everything keeps rolling right along yeah it really does and finally rodney we thank you for joining us for about 20 minutes tonight on bams radio what are quarterback is the obvious one but uh, we'd ask william about this he's really wanting to see the the secondary and how those young guys step up what are uh, one or two areas that you're going to be uh, with your ear to the ground with this scrimmage Saturday? Well, you know, like I said, I don't know how much we'll hear about the quarterbacks unless uh, we have some of the great members of the Red Elephant Club share that uh, information on the Internet or whatever. But uh, that's certainly one of the key spots that, that I'm looking at. And, uh, again, I think you always want to continue to see how Maybe the running game, the running backs are developing, the offensive line, how, how cohesive are they, you know, are they starting to develop that unity? Uh, you know, on the defensive side, I, I'm really interested in some of the younger players that are going to hopefully pro- provide depth. We talked about the defensive linemen that, you know, needed to step up and hopefully would. And then some of the young linebackers on the interior, maybe a Ben Davis or a Mac Wilson or both. I think that's going to be really interesting to you know, get some feedback on those guys. And uh, just a lot of young players in general. Terrell Hall uh, at the yes, outside linebacker spot. One guy I haven't heard a lot about since in camp this, uh, since it started was is, is Anthony Jennings. We were talking a lot mm-hmm. about him in the spring. So I'll be interested to see what, uh, you know, what kind of day he has and how he's progressing and uh, where he might fit in. And then you mentioned the secondary guys. I would I would say that too. I'd echo those comments. It'd be interesting to see how some of the young guys perform. Yeah, absolutely. And the continued maturation of Christian Miller, who William was high on in the scrimmage last week, using him now uh, as a pass rusher and hopefully more physical against the run. But he he may be one of these third down rabbits that we'll see quite a bit uh, in the fall. Well, Rodney, we always appreciate the time. Thank you for joining us uh, from TiderInsider.com. We know the, that information will be free-flowing in these coming days and especially Saturday. We always appreciate it. Thank you, sir, and have a good evening. Okay. Hey, Drew, I appreciate you guys. Take care. Thank you. And now we are going to go back uh, to the uh, Sunbelt 10 hotline. Uh, and he'll be, he'll be a first-time guest on 
on uh, BAM's radio. I've had him on Talking Ball a couple of times, and he's a veteran of the recruiting wars, uh, been around several years. He is now the director of recruiting for 24-7 sports, maybe the preeminent network in college football recruiting, and that is Barton Simmons. Barton, I really appreciate the time in this busy time of year. Thank you for taking the, uh, some time to join BAM's radio tonight. Uh, how are you, man? I'm great. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Happy to happy to chat, talk ball. Absolutely, Barton. And this quarterback uh, situation with Alabama has gained, you know, had a lot of head, national headlines with this battle going on. And one thing you've been able to do is, with uh, your career is you've done an outstanding job of talent evaluating and being a part of the Elite and Eleven process and being able to follow these quarterbacks throughout their maturation and their recruiting uh I guess, sagas as they end up choosing these schools. And I guess for the Alabama fans out there that, uh, you know, they haven't been behind the curtain like you have in a lot of ways, but talk about uh, these three quarterbacks. And I guess we'll go one at a time because uh, now that he's a fourth-year junior, many people may not remember it. But talk about, first of all, Cooper Bateman and how he came upon the scene and ended up at Alabama a little bit. Sure. Well, well Cooper put up huge numbers. Uh, in high school, and and that's sort of how he started to um, kind of name started to get traction, and and people started to recognize him. He was extremely productive and had really good film early on in the process. And um, you know, I think with with Cooper, um, as we as the process unfolded, and we got a chance to see him at some events like the Elite Eleven and that kind of thing, I, I think what we sort of came to realize was or certainly what I came to realize was is that that he had some limitations physically. Um he mm. wasn't he didn't have the 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 arm that some other guys had. He didn't have the overwhelming size or athleticism maybe that some other guys have. Uh but he was sort of a just a guy that was was really intelligent, a guy that was uh always making the right decisions, making the right throws and um kind of that you know, I think as we came into that realization that sort of there was some there was a ceiling on his talent, um, that that was sort of put us in a spot of you know what is this guy? How, you know what's what's he going to be at the next level? Um, because he does have a lot of the other intangibles and a lot of the other things that you look for. Um, you know, of course, he ended up at Alabama, and, and um, you know his his career's kind of gone about like I would have expected. Probably, uh, you know, he was. Mm. He's, he's played. He's he's fought for a starting job. He's fighting for a starting job again. I think he's very capable, um, and I think he's he, you know uh, to me that's the guy that Saban usually goes with. It seems like is just a veteran that he could count on. Um, but uh, certainly, I, I think just based on what I saw in high school, he's not a guy that gives you the ceiling and the and the upside of maybe the other two uh, prospects. And then to go to Blake Barnett, his odyssey and rise was a little different because uh, with the way, especially you guys at 24 seven sports cover it there, these, these young men, they, they start getting accolades when they're freshmen now and sophomores and they, they come on the scene and they get a lot of media attention. Blake Barnett was different in the, in that he didn't start till he was a junior in high school and then really kind of exploded on the scene and very quickly had a rise to prominence as a uh, touted prospect but what 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 struck you when you were able to kind of peel back the onion and watch him and his rise and at the Elite Eleven and we all remember that so uh, vividly uh, winning mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the seven on seven competition and the Elite Eleven competition. What did you like about about uh, Blake Barnett when you evaluated him, Barton? 
Yeah, and then as you mentioned, that's kind of counter to Cooper Bateman, who was super productive very early in his career and, and, and put up a, a big number. So, you know, with 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 Blake, um, remember he was committed to to Notre Dame there for a while, and uh, and he decommitted, and and we thought he was going to end up at Oregon for a, a brief moment there. Um, ultimately, ended up at Alabama, but in throughout that stretch when he was decommitting and, and looking at other schools, the interesting thing about Blake and his recruitment was that he was, there were other guys at that point in the process that were bigger names than Blake. He kind of emerged late as you, as you mentioned. And, um, but when you started to sort of dig in and, and talk to, um, you know, uh, coaches and, and sources at programs, you started to find out that he was really the, the, the number one target for schools like Oregon, who could have had other guys with pass on them waiting on Blake Barnett. USC was the same way. Um, a bunch of these major programs were were just waiting on Blake, and and that's because he was he was huge. You know, the kid is what a six five at least. Um, you know, he he's very strong. He's got a big time arm. Uh, Delivery is a little funky, as, as Alabama fans know and can see. But he, you know, the, the, his athleticism, I think, is what sort of separated him. You know, he he was a kid that could have played wide receiver at the college level. And, and frankly, uh, if he wanted to play wide receiver, a lot of those major programs would have taken him there. So, um, you know, that upside, because he has the huge arm, because he has that, you know, that big body, that big frame, uh, and because he's super athletic and great straight line speed, all those sort of things, I think, contribute to what, you know, you, you believe is, just a huge ceiling for Blake if he ever gets it all figured out and gets it all heading in the same direction. Um, that's the guy who's got as much upside as maybe any quarterback in the country anywhere. And Barton, what were the concerns with Blake? You brought up the funky delivery. There's always when that's the the beautiful thing about the Elite Eleven. You, you get to see everything, and you get you, you you being a part of it, you get a chance to see these guys work out on a regular basis. And you get to see them struggle a little bit, but also step up. What there's always no, no QB is the perfect prospect. What were the concerns about Blake Barnett? You know, just some consistency and and some you know some some technique stuff that he just needed to clean up. And um, I mean, I think if you throw him out there and, and roll the ball out there next to Josh Rosen or a couple of the other elite quarterbacks in the class. Um, you know, he Blake wouldn't necessarily always put the ball um, consistently in the right place the way some other guys maybe would, but he could un- uncork a throw that um, maybe nobody else can. And so um, with him, it's always about upside. You know, if, if he had the, the consistency side of it squared away, you know, if he was always making the right decision, um, and then, then he would be – yeah, I think he'd be a national name with West Coast to the Northeast. I think everybody would know who he is. And um, I think if he ever figures that stuff out, then that's that's a scary thought for, for Alabama opponents. But, um, you know, as yet, I think it's just a guy that is uh, is is still maturing, is still getting there as a, as a quarterback prospect. And uh, I think that's one thing that uh, people don't take into account. Sometimes these QBs take a while to develop, and uh, there are always some like Josh Rosen who make that transition quickly to the college level, but then you have others uh, who uh, have to wait their turn but become very good players. 
Now on to Jalen Hurts, and his it, and he was very interesting. He did not uh, for participate. Well, he or he, well, he did in the Elite Eleven. He didn't win the Elite Eleven, but he was someone who, for lack of a better term, I guess he he was a good football player, but he really rose to prominence uh, his last couple of years uh, in the process. He was another one that wasn't well-known as a young player, uh, but uh, he had a very good uh, senior season, became one of the top dual-threat quarterbacks. Uh, and I know you got a chance to see him up close. He was another one. Uh, uh, Blake Barnett has always been media-friendly from the standpoint of the social media aspect and the Twitter Jalen Hurts, not so much, the son of a coach. Kind of talk about his makeup and what's made uh, him make, uh, just stand out so far as a young player on the college level. You know, he's, he's not a, we don't know yet if he's going to be the starter at Alabama as a true freshman, but he's, he's been uh, just kind of a different breed thus far. And talk about his makeup a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the kid. I, I just love him as a competitor, love him as a player. But, um, you know, so he had a really strong junior season, put up huge numbers. So that, that this was no uh, flash in the pan situation when he started to, to, you know, get some traction recruiting. I saw him at the Elite 11 semifinals, and I think there was 24 quarterbacks out there, and then they trimmed that list to 18 to send them out to the finals. Jalen Hurts did not make that final 18. I, I did not think that was the right decision. I, I remember at that event thinking that Jalen deserved to go. Um, that was a right. deep year quarterback. Uh, but Jalen didn't make it, and and I thought that was you know he he was he was great at the semifinals. So it wasn't a, just because it was I, it wasn't an easy decision. I wouldn't think for them to to pass on him. But at that event, he that was actually you know that was during the summer he committed to Alabama at the event. Um, mm-hmm. And to your point, he you know he actually asked the Elite Eleven staff to just tweet the, the commitment for him because he didn't want to deal with it. He just wanted he was there to, to, to focus on football. And that's who he is. I, that's what I. That's why I'm bullish on him is because he's he's the the extra peripheral stuff, the the extra you know the the, the the stuff on the outside. I mean, this is a kid that's laser focused. He's got blinders on. He's a competitor, um, and, and I think that really that serves him well. You know, he is a son of a coach, um, and and he's really athletic too. But that's not um, you know he's probably a guy that co- came in in a lot of ways, more polished than Blake Barnett did um, with mm. regard to just the way he can get back um, from under center and, and deliver a ball quickly and, and, and get the ball out on time and, and those sort of things. Um, now, he's got an aspect to his game, too, that's a very improvisational. Um, he's a point guard out there in a lot of ways, and I think that's a good thing and a bad thing. It allows him some flexibility to do some things that others can't, but I think he's used to playing like that so sometimes playing within the confines of a system, uh, you know, he may not be ready for that in a lot of ways. But, um, gosh, I mean, when you talk about the kid who can just, you know, do do a lot of things with his arm, do a lot of things with his legs, uh, give you some flexibility schematically. But but also, again, as I mentioned, I think the thing that really sets him apart is just that, that competitive uh, demeanor that he possesses, uh, and, and I think that's different. And I think the guys that come into Alabama with that demeanor are the guys that are the most successful. When you look at whether it's Derrick Henry or Julio Jones or, or T.J. Yeldon, or I mean, the guys that are just all about ball, those are the guys that do well. And to me, that's what Jalen Hurts is, and I think that's why he's still in this quarterback competition, and why he, you know, I think he may, even if he loses, why there's going to be, I think, maybe some packages in there for him to just get on the field. 
Well, and I, but you bring up a great point, Barton, and uh, thank you for the that. I knew he competed in the Elite 11, but you're right. He did not get selected, and I think that's why maybe there wasn't as much buzz about him as there was about Blake Barnett uh, because Barnett was selected and won that competition. But you just kept hearing. I was, you know, I would read game stories, and you would hear buzz. I got a chance to interview his dad, Avrion Hurts, a couple of times. You just he was putting up eye popping numbers in Houston, Texas, in a very tough league, and as his yeah. dad told us that Channelview uh, has a good football program but really had not had a lot of success uh, in the in the recent years until uh, Jalen came along in the program. They were able to make the playoffs and, and make a run against some very good players. And, and Jalen was just putting up, uh, you know, arcade-type numbers. I guess for the, for the listeners that have not seen as much of him, you got a chance to see him in the camp setting and up close. Uh, talk about his arm talent and his skill set. Yeah, so, he, you know, his – I think he's got – Really good arm talent. I really do. Uh, and he's not, he's in that six, maybe six one ish range, six one and a half. I don't know what he is, but he's, you know, he's, he's got, he, he plays with a big presence um, under center when he's back there in the pocket. He does, he plays with great posture. He's really good at organizing his feet and, and delivering the football. Um, you know, one thing I wrote recently on 24 7 Sports is, is he was the best kid in that class at that Elite 11 semifinals, delivering the bubble screen. And, and that sounds like a small thing, but what it, what it showed me is, is he's, he's so good at getting the ball, um, transitioning it, uh, you know, transitioning with his feet, transitioning with his arm, and getting it out quickly. Um, and, and I think, you know, Lane Kiffin likes to, to utilize that play a lot at Alabama, um, and I think it also speaks to just what he's able to do with his feet um, you know, how good his feet are. And uh, I just think he's a really decisive passer when he, when he delivers the football, uh, spins it well and that kind of thing. So he's an intriguing kid. And, and while I'm, you know, would probably always be a little surprised if Nick Saban started a true freshman, um, I wouldn't be surprised that this is the true freshman he decides to start just because of, like I said, the skill set he possesses um, and, you know, the, the mentality he comes into with. And unlike his predecessors, Blake Sims had it a little bit, but he also has the aspect of being able to make plays with his feet and has done so throughout his time at Alabama in the spring and the fall. He brings that uh, element that hasn't been there at Alabama from the quarterback position. And when you, and you you're very familiar since uh, you've been in the recruiting process with all the young talent at Alabama. Uh, to me, I've, I've, I've broached this question this week. If you have a, a talent like that, a dual threat like Jalen Hurts, uh, it, it beg, I, I just wonder how good this Alabama offense could be. It could be taken to another level, and it's been very productive. Uh, but if you find a quarterback with the multi-faceted uh, abilities of a Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, Nick Saban has, has not had uh, – A.J. McCarron had a very good career, but he's not had that transcendent QB – if he gets that to his program, what does this mean for college football in your mind, Barton? You followed the recruiting process so closely. Alabama's already won four of the last seven national championships. Could this even take the program to another level? Well, it sure seems like they've been looking for a guy like this. Um, I mean, right. every every right. year it seems like they're trying to find that quarterback that can provide that athletic dimension. Um, you know, and I think that – the. You know, it seems like because they have been recruiting that way, it just, 
you get the feeling that Lane Kiffin's got this whole section of his playbook that he's just itching to break <laughs> out, and he hadn't quite had the guy to do it. Um, so, you know, I think that that's that that is uh, definitely something that could could transform Alabama offensively. Um, they haven't needed that in the past. They're so good on defense. They're so physical up front. Their running game is so good um, that, you know, all they've needed a quarterback is a bus driver. And really that's still all they need. Um, but mm-hmm. there's this intrigue that, man, if they're this good with a bus driver, what what are they going to do with a fighter pilot? Um, and and I think that that's, that's an exciting, you know, question to, to pose. And, um, and I even think with this year's, you know, roster at Alabama, they have so much talent at receiver, more so than usual. Um, I think they're they're as good as ever in that starting eleven on defense, but I think they're thinner at defensive line and thinner in the secondary than maybe that they they've been in the past than they were last year. Um, so I think there may be some pressure at times on the offense to to score a little bit more, to, to pick up for the defense a little bit more than maybe they have in a couple other national title runs. So if you got a guy like that that can be a Deshaun Watson-type presence on the football field, um, you know, that, that certainly is, is something that's, uh, you know, a recipe for success. But I just think, you know, that it, the whole dynamic um, creates a lot of questions, uh, creates a lot of anticipation for this year, and, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It really will. And, and Barton, uh, what is your opinion? I know you got a chance to see both of them in the Elite 11. Uh, for the Alabama QB commits in this class, Tua Tagovailoa and Mac Jones, What? how did you kind of uh, rate both of those guys as prospects? Well, I think you've got your bus driver and Mac Jones. Uh, and I don't, that's mm-hmm. not meant as a slight, but you got your, your manager there who doesn't have the free arm talent, doesn't have anything that just blows you away. But he's so consistent, so effective, so you know, so on point with every throw. And you talk to the people uh, around him, and he's a great leader. He has a great presence about him. All the intangibles you ask for. Um, so there's there's your your bus driver, so to speak. And then Tua is that's your fighter pilot. Um, I mean, that's the kid who's makes just wow throws, um, you know, all over the field and spins it so nice. Um, you know, he's kind of got a three-quarter release. He's a lefty. Uh, but, man, he, he can deliver the football in, to anywhere on the football field. And I tell you, it's, uh, that's another kid where if there's if there's one aspect of him that's, you know, more impressive than anything else, it's, it's his presence. It's his leadership. It's his uh, just demeanor on the field. Um, I, I've said this before. I don't think he's – I'm not saying he's ready to play on the national title stage. I'm not saying he's ready to play in Tuscaloosa right now. But if you put him uh, sold out Brian-Denny Stadium or you put him in a national title game right now, the moment's not going to be too big for him. He's not going to be overwhelmed by that mentally. Uh, that's just who he is. Uh, you just can tell from the way he competes uh, that he has a great – um, you know, he's just very grounded and, and and very comfortable on the big stage. And so I think that's what's most exciting about Tua. He has the athletic aspect as well. Um, but he is a really unique player and a really unique person that a lot of people are drawn to. So it's a, I think he's a really exciting guy to have committed as well. And I know you're really high on Jalen Hurts, and you think he's a special kid. 
I, you know, when you compare him and Tua Tagovailoa uh, from a skill set standpoint, how are they similar and kind of how are they different? Well, they're, you know, they're similar in a lot of ways. I think they're, you know, they're kind of similar size. Um, Tua's a little thicker. Uh, Jalen may have them by a half an inch or so. Um, they're both athletic, though I think Jalen is a little bit more of a twitchy athlete. He's a little bit more sudden, uh, whereas Tua maybe can take a, you know, he can take a pounding. And, and then I think arm talent-wise, they're both um, they're both really good there. I think Tua may be a little bit more, uh, uh, I mean, Tua may have as, he may be as effective as a thrower as there is in this class. Um, and so he may have the edge there with for Jalen. Um, but, you know, I think they're both very similar players and bring a lot of the same aspects to the table. Uh, Tua maybe can get it done a little bit uh, better from the pocket. Jalen maybe gives you a little more excitement and versatility um, uh, on the run and, and in, uh, in chaos situations. Uh, so, uh, and, and I think they're both great leaders in different ways too. With Jalen being sort of that intense competitor, with Tua just this very laid-back island kind of feel uh, of of just quiet confidence uh, that that is very you know kind of permeates whoever he's playing with. So um, it's it, you know they're interesting guys, but they're both exciting guys to 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 be playing with and against and and, uh, and, and watch. And now to wrap it up, one last question and. Uh, Thomas Watts, our producer, uh, was we were talked about this uh, young man earlier, and uh, we also had brought him up with William Barger uh, and Rodney Orr, and you've had a chance to see him on the circuit. He's another one that doesn't do a lot of media, but there's no questioning his talent. Talk about Najee Harris, and if he can, you know, he's committed to Alabama right now. We know he's uh, being uh, sought after by almost every school in the country. Uh, but talk about him as a player and how you've evaluated him. Many believe he could be the best back to come out of high school since Adrian Peterson, but for someone I have not seen him in person, you have. Talk about Najee Harris and what you think about him as a prospect, Martin. Well, I think he's, you know, he's he's a huge kid at the running back position. He's bigger than you see at running back. He's, he's, I don't, he's not as big as, as Derrick Henry was in high school, but he's in that sort of mold of just a, an oversized back, a tall back. Um, but I think what's unique about Najee is, um, unlike Derrick Henry, is he, he doesn't – he runs like a like he's 5'11 um, instead of 6'2. He runs like he's 5'10 and a half. He's got great – he's got good wiggle, for lack of a better word. Um, he can really make you miss in tight spaces. He can really run with pad leverage. Um, and he can still deliver a blow. Uh, he can still, you know, be a physical back. but What's you know Najee is just special because he can catch the ball so well. I mean he's he has a skill set of like an all-purpose back, um, but he does it at six two two thirty or whatever he weighs. So um, you know that's that's why he's he's such a hot commodity. That's why we've got him ranked as I think the number three player in the country, twenty four seven sports, and um, he's he can do everything you want. He can line up as a as a split out at wide receiver and run a fade and 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 moss on somebody. Or you can line him in the backfield and uh, run over somebody, or you toss him the ball in space and let him make some miss. He really can do it all, and uh, uh, you know th- those are the type of guys that make Alabama tough to beat. You get these big old backs that um, that, that just you just feed the ball to, uh, and, and I think Najee Harris can definitely be that guy.
it definitely sounds like it, Barton. And and uh, the last question for you, being a veteran of the recruiting scene, you saw what Pete Carroll built at Southern California and what they were able to do uh, for most of the early 2000s. In my mind, Nick Saban has eclipsed that with a four and seven years. Have you seen a coach recruit at the level of Nick Saban ever in during your time following recruiting that just been consistently bringing in top classes year in and year out when it's so tough because and now we're seeing some of the fallout we've had six or seven young men transfer uh, from the University of Alabama but he continually attracts so many guys and and uh, develops them as and is able to manage a roster with so much individual talent but have you seen a run like this in recruiting before? No, I don't know. Absolutely not. I think, you know, Nick Saban's definitely um, solidified himself as the best recruiter in the modern era. I don't know that that even can be argued. Now, Urban Myers had a good run at Florida, and he's he's getting a pretty good thing going here at Ohio State. So he'll he'll have a shot to have a say in that probably before his career is done as well. But um, six straight number one classes, I think, is where we're at right now with Alabama. Um, that's That's just – that's absurd. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, I mean, he's drafting players. He's not recruiting them. And that's, uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how you if you can overstate what he's, what he's accomplished there. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a testament to what great recruiting can do because, you know, he hires a staff that are recruiters. He goes out and gets the best players and then they line up on Saturdays and, and they pound people. And that's, you know, that's what happens when you recruit bigger, stronger, faster players. You're going to have a pretty good chance of national titles. Well, Barton, we appreciate the time. You're, you're first on BAMS Radio. And, of course, uh, I've uh, always enjoyed the conversation on my regular daily radio program in Huntsville, Talking Ball. We hope to have you as a regular part of BAMS Radio and of my program during uh, our, our next football season. You do an outstanding job for 24-7 sports. Uh, just uh, let everybody know where they can read your stuff and uh, what you're working on. You guys are just are, are one of the preeminent sources in recruiting in this industry and have really kind of revolutionized it from a network standpoint. But we just really thank you for your time and just let everybody know how they can connect with you. Of course, yeah. So you can follow me at Twitter at, uh, at Barton Simmons and then 24-7 Sports. we got you know, a lot of great material coming out here, getting ready for the season. And, of course, Spam Online is, is uh, you know, I think the best destination out there for uh, for Alabama information. So uh, definitely log in and see what they got as we get you ready for, for uh, the start of the season. It's coming here pretty soon. We'll be here before we know it, so we're excited for it. Absolutely, and we know you'll be uh, at the uh, at the forefront with Recruiting Info as the director of recruiting for 24-7 Sports. Thank you, Barton. It's really been a pleasure. Have a great rest of your evening, and thank you for joining BAMS Radio. Okay, Drew. Thanks, man. Have a good night. Thank you. That's Barton Simmons and uh, Thomas Watts bringing you back in. Uh, great conversation there. Very revealing with someone who has seen these young men uh, with with their rise throughout the recruiting uh, wars and throughout the years as they develop as prospects and getting to see them and up close and their skill sets and how they mature. Absolutely. And I really liked the fighter pilot versus bus driver metaphor. Oh, perfect analogy there. Uh, Great stuff from Barton. And, but even more than that, he was able to go a little bit deeper on everybody. And I think that's, it's something that I haven't seen in the discussions as much, either because the the, the various talking heads, and I'll include us in that, Drew, uh, don't 
haven't done as much in the evaluation perspective as someone like Simmons did, but I just think it brought a very interesting take on all three guys. And I, I have to say his, it's it when he, his statement on, it's hard to believe that if true freshman will start for Nick Saban, but if one could do it, it's this guy, you know, that that's pretty, it's pretty enlightening to me. I put it to you that way, Drew. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, it was just a great conversation. We need to have Barton on as a regular part of our recruiting rotation. Uh, he just he's been around the the, the war so much, and uh, and being the director of recruiting uh, for twenty four seven Sports gets to see a lot of these uh, young men throughout the country that maybe we only get to see via video or watching film. We don't get to see in person, but he just does an outstanding job. And he and he's been a part of the Elite Eleven up close evaluating these QBs, and I thought he might bring a different perspective, and that's exactly what he did. It was one of the better segments we've had on BAMS Radio in a while from a recruiting standpoint. Great stuff tonight. Absolutely. And I do think it was interesting that Jalen Hurts not making the Elite 11 final. That well, yeah, that, see, that's, well, that's the part. I knew he competed in the Elite 11, but that's right. That's the, that's the where I was trying to remember exactly. He did not make the finals. He did not, uh, like uh, Tua Tagovailoa won the Elite 11, made the finals. Uh, Blake Barnett uh, made the finals and won it. I do believe Cooper Bateman made the finals, but he didn't win, but he did not win uh, the competition. Tua did, I mean, excuse me, Jalen Hurts did not even make the finals, and yet he may be the best prospect out there. And you could just kind of tell when talking about the three players, who uh, that Martin Simmons thought was the, had the most upside and was the best talent. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, remains to be seen. I have to say, Drew, uh, we're getting obviously to the end of our show, but I am so excited about being able to see this the scrimmage live. I'll be there, and uh, so so I imagine next week's Bams Radio will be a lot of uh, a lot of punch punch wink wink stuff that we can't officially talk about, but we'll unofficially talk about officially. Uh, pretty much uh, yeah, yeah, what, what you said. Yeah. I, I will also be in attendance at that scrimmage uh, this weekend and, uh, and uh, William Barger will have his ear to the ground. So I'm sure our audience will be waiting with bated breath uh, this Saturday to hear any info they can get. And for, uh, you know, after the, uh, everyone settles down and we come back on Thursday night to finally rehash everything. And as the week of practice uh, rolls on in in the final week uh, before the week of preparation begins for Southern California, uh, the the conversation should be very very interesting, Thomas. Absolutely, Drew. Well, uh, go on and take us out of here. We'll get some sweet home Alabama rolling and uh, head on into the scrimmage, I suppose. Absolutely. Well, everybody, it's been another quick two hours from seven to nine p.m. here on Bams Radio. I'm your host, Drew DeArmond. We hope you've enjoyed the program tonight. Uh, Thomas Watt said outstanding job uh, producing being the wizard behind the curtain, also uh, contributing uh, with uh, outstanding uh, uh, commentary. And then we thank our guest. Uh, yeah, our third amigo, of course, really our, our other co-host, William Redfish Barger, for being with us in hour number one. And then Rodney Orr, great friend of mine, enjoy contributing to TiderInsider.com. And then that great segment with Barton Simmons, the director of recruiting for 24-7 Sports, taking a look back at Cooper Bateman, Blake Barnett, Jalen Hurts, and a little bit to the future, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, Mac Jones and Najee Harris. Just a great segment. We hope you enjoyed Sam's Radio tonight. Enjoy the rest of your week into this weekend. I'm your host, Rudy Armand. For Thomas Watts, roll tide, and we'll see you next Thursday night.